the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you want to get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220 or shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. And let's talk a little bit about bonds. Get ready for some volatility in the bond market, to say the least. It was just odd to me to watch rates drop from where they were back in March. The idea that the economy is you know, really doing extremely well. It's just a small pocket um, where it's really, really tough on people. Um, you know, Travel, leisure, restaurants, things like that. Restaurants are super busy, but really having a tough time to get people back to work. I have heard of side deals where people are like, you know, we'll just pay it in cash, keep your unemployment going, but we need we need some help. Unfortunately, that kind of stuff is going on out there. Um, but let's talk about the bond market a little bit because the Fed's really focused on the taper. There's, I think, some communication issues coming out of the Fed. It's like every couple of years, they try to change communication styles and, and hey, we're going to be more direct to the market. And now it's going to be, hey, now it feels pretty cryptic and Seems to be some disagreement among the Fed members. But you do hear this idea of before we talk about increasing short term interest rates to slow down the economy, kind of weird, right? When you're talking about infrastructure package and everything else, it's not really slowing down the economy, though. It's, it's the idea of inflation. And when inflation gets out of control, like it was in the late 70s, early 80s, it's because there's too much cash out there. And people are spending the cash on homes and cars and big items like appliances and things like that. So it causes the cost of goods to go up. And that is inflation. That's why when you think about retirement, you have to realize that the value of the dollar is cut in half about every 18 years. So you need more and more income coming out of your portfolio in order to maintain the same exact style of living. Inflation is normal and healthy. That inflation rate of about 2.25% or so, that's really a very good number for inflation. It's a healthy economy. Deflation is an enemy of the economy and rapid inflation is an enemy of the economy. Right now, the Federal Reserve is out there in the bond market buying bonds. They're they're out there in the bond market buying bonds. Okay, it's like you got to wrap your head around this, right? Because we have all of this stimulus package, which I'll talk about in a little while, all this money that has been created between 
Secure Act, the American Rescue Plan, the CARES Act, and all this other stuff. Have infrastructure package trying to make its way through Congress. And then the Federal Reserve is using money that to, to go out on the bond market and buy bonds. The Fed has still been increasing interest rate. There's increasing its balance sheet. Now they're going to slow that down. They're going to taper that. So it's not like they're going to stop altogether and go cold turkey on the bond market. Um, by, so here, here's what's happening. If it, we got to remember bond prices. The price of a bond is inverse relationship to the interest rate, or the interest on the bond. So if there's a large demand for bonds and the bond prices go up, its yield goes down. And so the Fed was buying bonds to support the bond market, to create liquidity in the bond market, because that's how companies get cash, right? They go out, they issue a bond. And essentially, when you buy a bond, you're loaning money to a corporation or a government entity. Say, okay, here's $10,000. You're going to pay me, well, you know, these days, 3.5% or so interest. And then at the end of the term of the bond, I get my money back. So that's how companies get cash. They use that cash to grow, you know, capital investments, restructure their current debt at lower rates so they have higher profit. And, you know, then they, they know they got to repay those bonds. And typically the companies will just issue new bonds rather than just pay them off in a lot of cases. So the Fed's out there, you know, in order to create that liquidity and support the, the bond market, which there was a... There's a scary time, guys, back in March and April. There was a couple of weeks that I mentioned during that correction, if you're listening to the show back then, where I was concerned. The bond market was not working properly. It, we went to go, oh my gosh, the stock market has dropped. Let's sell some bonds and go buy some stocks. We started to rebalance portfolios and the prices for bonds out there were garbage. So it, like we just had to sit on our hands and wait. And then Jerome Powell came in and, and literally rescued the bond market. Like they did a great job back then. I don't think people get enough, you know, talk about what happened back then. And it, it really saved this situation back in March and April from becoming a 2008 and 2009 situation. Um, so it was a, a really good move. And so since then, the bond, the, the feds have been buying bonds and they're talking about tapering that. Now in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article by John uh, Sindrew. He's saying the market just can't seem to get quantitative easing or its reversal right. So quantitative easing, you know, it, it, the feds deal with the money side. The government has to deal with the fiscal side. And that's what we need right now. But he goes on to say that uh, investors are laser focused on the end date of pandemic era monetary stimulus by the Fed. This past week, Federal Reserve officials have suggested that interest rates could go up sooner than expected and that they are discussing the timing of slowing or tapering asset purchases, a policy known as quantitative easing or QE. I mean, that, the, that term became really popular, of course, in 2008, 2009. Other major central banks, namely the Bank of England, face similar choices. So they go on to explain the theory. So in, in theory, investors can follow a simple playbook, right? Announcements that involve higher rates should mostly be bad for shorter-term bonds, which are shorter which are closer substitutes for for just having a cash account, right? People think, oh, interest rates are going to go up. Let's go into short bonds, invest a short period of time, get that income, and then, you know, worst case scenario, we hold it till maturity and get the money back. 
And so those prices you think would be as short-term interest rates go up, that those bonds fall in value. Remember, it's an inverse relationship. Conversely, officials buying less sovereign paper should impact longer-term debt, especially since governments are issuing an ever-increasing supply of it. The problem is it hasn't been working. For the past week, five-year treasury yields jumped to reflect expectations of higher rates. And then he goes on, and uh, Johnson Drew in this Wall Street Journal article says that uh, particularly higher rates, but yields for 10-year and particularly 30-year maturity debt drop like a stone. That was really odd to watch. But you don't want that situation to happen. You don't want that inverted yield curve where higher rates eventually on the short term versus the long term because people are like, nope, I don't want any of that long term debt. That's that's too long out, too uncertain. Um, I don't, definitely don't want any of the short term debt because interest rates are, are going up. The Fed's moving rates up. So those short term bonds are going down. All of a sudden you get this situation where shorter term bonds are having higher interest rates than longer term bonds. It's an inverted yield curve. And typically you see some sort of recession after that. We're not there yet. We're not even close. But I'm just preparing you for some bond market volatility out there. And so I'm going to go through and talk about the overall bond market. Now, the biggest barometer that money managers use to look at the bond market and how their bond portfolio does versus the bond market is the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. I remember back in the day, back when I was just a kid, no, back in 2000. uh, Seven and eight, it used to be Lehman Brothers. Remember that name? Well, now it's the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. It's a diversified um, index of all sorts of different types of bonds. Pretty, pretty conservative in nature, I guess you could say. The egg is yielding 1.95% with a duration of 6.36. It was 4.89% yield in October of 2007. I'm talking about the idea of taper because... People that you know are in the business and, and looking at uh, a large bond portfolio, especially bond funds, back in 2013, there was a thing called a taper tantrum. So when you hear the word taper by the feds, like, oh my gosh, are they going to be selling all these bonds that are on their balance sheet? Um, no, that's not that's not what the case is. So the feds, of course, um, have been buying bonds, adding to the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. So. Essentially, essentially the interworkings of how they get the cash in order to do that, um, that's a whole other show and explanation. And then what happens when those bonds mature? What do they do with the cash? They give it back to the treasury to pay down national debt? Hey, how's that all work? You know, I don't know. We'll get a Federal Reserve chairman on here one day to explain that. But the, the, when you're hearing the word taper... And you're hearing all of this talk about inflation, and yet you saw the bond yields come down a little bit over the last month. It's, it's like, what the heck is going on here? And, and I will tell you that, to me, stocks are easy, right? You, you can look at a company's revenue and how it's growing, you know, what they're doing, um, is, what's the opportunity for revenue growth in the future, and then what are its ex- expenses? Are they keeping it under control? Um, and then here's the profit. Right? And do they pay a dividend? Do they buy back stock? It's, it, bonds are much harder right now. There is issues of inflation and higher rates, monetary policy, not only in the US, but overseas, political issues. I got to tell you, I think bond traders are a lot smarter than stock traders. I think stocks are easy over time. The stock market will take such good care of you over time. 
whether it's the S&P 500, whether it's a total stock market return, whether it's a dividend achiever index, um, or you know, just going out and buying, if you're in your 30s and 40s, a 2050, 2060 retirement strategy date fund that automatically does the allocation for you, the stock market would take very good care of you over time. The thing is, is you don't panic on the downside and sell. You don't get greedy on the upside and you make sure that when you're in retirement, you have enough cash and dividends and interest to last three to five years at a minimum so that if the market corrects, you're not selling at the bottom to, in order to pay expenses. Just have to, and, and that allows you to be a bit more aggressive. But here's the issue with bonds. If we look at AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. We have a yield of 1.95% right now on a bond. That's literally a third of where it was when I got into the business. It's also got a duration of 6.36% or 6.36 duration, effective duration. That's the highest since I've been in the business. And that's the sensitivity to interest rates. So duration, you can kind of think of it as as if the 10-year treasury goes up by 1% from 1.5 to 2.5%, then we're getting a lot of calls for about 2.25% within the next 12 to 24 months. The price of the fund could theoretically go down by 6.36%. That's the duration of 6.36. So, and, and the effects of that on an overall balanced portfolio, you need more to retire these days. The stocks are the same. You know, you go through periods of, of uh, you know, undervalued, like 2009 through 2013, fairly valued, fully valued, and overvalued. But right now, there's pockets of overvalued. The pockets of speculation out there. Talked about this a few months ago, and things like IPOs, Coinbase, cryptocurrency, and and just people that don't even have a financial base built for dividend-paying stocks, and they go straight into IPOs and and very speculative assets like crypt- cryptocurrency, which people yeah they've made a ton of money on. Um, but big decline lately in crypto. Still higher for the year, and much higher than five years ago. But it's very speculative. And so people are just kind of getting into the, the new, new, the what's hot, the meme stocks. I've had clients that are well into retirement ask me about GameStop, uh, MC, and um, Transocean, a couple other meme stocks or Reddit stocks that people are talking about that get these driving forces of groups of traders and whoever piles in last loses because everybody else is going to sell before you. Anyways, getting back to the bond market. So the AGG ETF, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, was yielding 1.95% when I looked it up this morning. Back in October of 2007, prior to the Great Recession, it was yielding 4.89%. So if you look at what the packages were for stimulus back then, it's much lower than what happened with the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan. And I can tell you flat out, 2008 and 2009 was much closer to a global depression than the COVID issue. The COVID was a forced shutdown thing. And it was kind of unknown. It wasn't like a a bubble of issues. So in 2008, we had a bubble in housing. We had, if you could fog a mirror, you could get 10 loans to buy 15 rental properties and continue to just refinance, pull cash out, get another one refinance, pull cash out, get another one. And then the banks took those loans, they packaged them in different products, leveraged them and, and you know, sold them as different types of investments. 
it was literally almost a financial collapse. But interest rates were at 4.89%. So we, had, we didn't need as much. We could, the Feds could drop interest rates and they didn't need quite as much stimulus to get the economy back on track and get going again. Eventually, the economy turned around. Market would recovered by 2013. And then the Feds said, okay, we gotta, we're going to start tapering. We're going to start selling some of the bonds that they put on their balance sheet. Because the Federal Reserve can lower interest rates. They can also go out in the bond market, buy up bonds, forcing the prices of the bonds up and the interest rates down. Which again, that's the lower the interest rate, the lower the cost of borrowing money by corporations. They take that money and they grow their businesses. That's the idea. It stimulates the economy. So they reversed that and in the bond market had a taper tantrum in May of 2013. And by September of 2013, there was a 6% decline in the average bond. The AGG was down 6%. More aggressive bonds, down even more. Now, that eventually reversed itself and it was fine. And as long as the bond fund manager can hold on to the bonds, it's not really an issue. So bond fund managers are having to actually kind of look at the idea of raising cash to meet redemptions for those of you that are owning bonds that have done amazingly well in the last five years. And the first time you see a a 5% decline in your bonds in your 401k, you go to sell. Well, that forces the manager to sell bonds when they don't want to. If you hold the bond to maturity, you just get your money back. But if interest rates increase, that bond, the paper price goes down. And that's the worst time to sell. So we're going to talk still a little bit more about being ultra conservative on the bond side and educate you a little bit on bonds and kind of what the portfolio should look like. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Talking about taper tantrums, I don't see a situation where the Fed's selling bonds anytime soon. So the idea of the Fed tapering is they're slowing their purchases of bonds. But the bond market is kind of confused about that. So you're like, okay, how much of the inflation is transitory, meaning short-term we're comparing it to a rough patch in the economy in terms of prices. There's a lot of demand. There's a supply chain issue. You know, is that going to slow down? I'm not seeing a situation where it's a, a slowdown because interest rates are still so low right now. I mean, again, the ag was 4.89% in October 2007 before the Great Recession. It's 1.95% now. And the so so interest rates are still really low yeah housing prices are really high but people when they get into a home they're it's the affordability of the mortgage and it's not like there's a huge increase coming in in interest rates on a mortgage even if interest rates on a 30 year loan go from you know 3 to 4% that's still historically really low that'll definitely slow things down but there is so much cash buying of things like rental property and homes right now because there's so much cash out there. And if you think about a lot of what happened, there was a ton of businesses, for example, that got PPP loans that ended up not needing them. So there's a bunch of cash thrown in the economy, stimulate the economy. Meanwhile, the supply chain was shut down. And so how is it going to catch up when there's all this money and um, the economy is doing really well, the reopening is really going better than expected? So it's typically to slow that down, we're going to have to have some sort of a black swan event. We're going to have to have like another strain of COVID that affects everyone. 
um, some foreign government collapsing, a war, you know, things like the, the stuff that causes the major corrections are always the stuff we're not talking about. But, you know, again, stocks, I don't, they're so attractive, especially if you think about over a 10 year period, any kind of a big decline or correction, I'd just be buying more stocks. The hard part is the bond portfolio right now. One of the mistakes that people can make in retirement is investing way too conservatively or way too aggressively. We've done shows on that recently. Because if you think about it, if you go way too much into bonds because you're scared because you think stocks are more risky and we're at historically low interest rates and historically high duration, those same people will see a decline on paper of their bond portfolios. And they're also only yielding anywhere from a diversified bond portfolio two to three and a half percent if you're not taking too much risk. Well, inflation is running, you know, three percent really right now if you look at it. And I don't believe that it's just going to go away because the demand seems really strong out there. And we also have a lot of millennials now going out and buying homes, you know, moving out of the city for good and actually buying homes, buying cars. Um, this huge demand for ATVs and all this other stuff. So we'll see how long the cash stays in the economy to keep the demand up. But until I see almost a year's worth of data, you got to say, okay, we're, we're probably going to through a phase of a bit higher inflation. Jeremy Siegel agrees. Like he doesn't think the Fed's got it right. Um, and he's kind of a perma bull, right? Then you got other idiots like Harry Dent Jr. You guys, if you read an article from Harry Dent Jr. talking about massive declines coming to the stock market, the guy's a fool. He has been wrong so much in my career. It's a joke. He's like, all he is counting on is, you know, being right at some point in time. <laughs> He's been wrong for so long and he just uses his massively, you know, scary predictions to sell books and everything else. So ignore Harry Dunn Jr. I probably just gave him free media. He's an idiot. I don't like the guy. Um, anyway, taper tantrum 2013 made a September decline of nearly uh, 6% back in, in, in uh, 2013. Yeah, I don't see something like that, but it's, it's, I think rates will float up, right? And I think inflation will be here to stay for a little while. So I don't like bond indexes. I do not like bond index funds at this point. I do not. And so if you can kind of take a look at, you know, if somebody's coming in fresh with us and we're investing in a balanced portfolio, um, you know, stock side, easy, right? No problem. In the bond side, we typically have about 85% in core bond funds right now. And, and if I'm dealing with over a million dollars in a bond portfolio, then we do buy individual bonds. But the, you know, the big institutions are getting the, the you know, best prices on bonds and things like that. So bond funds still make sense. But 85% in actively managed core bonds. So the traditional bonds um, where they can manage duration and either go a little bit longer or shorter and maturity to help you know avoid uh, interest rate risk as much as possible right now. But they're still, on paper, those bond funds are, are still not immune to showing a loss on paper if interest rates go up very quickly. We're just careful in, in knowing the managers that know how to raise enough cash to meet redemption so they're not forced to sell bonds at a bad time when those things happen. There's going to be volatility. There's going to be time in those bonds where you look at it on paper and it might look like it's a decline, but it's only a decline if you sell, okay? Keep that in mind. 15% of the bond portfolio then goes 
on some you know, kind of other stuff, emer- a mix of emerging market bonds, floating rate funds, and more of the macro go anywhere fund. And we're actually light on bonds because we have some of that money going into commodities. Commodities right now is the best way to hedge inflation, in my opinion. Now, you can take some of that idea and, and some people like to use cryptocurrencies to hedge against that. But there's not enough data on crypto to say, yeah, it's a hedge against inflation. It's a, it's a store of value. It's not an investment. It's a store of value where if it's going to go up, it means other people have to be willing to pay more. And at this point in time, it's, it's, uh, the FOMO trade is kind of dwindled out. It'll come back again. But it's other people with a lot of money in other countries around the world wanting to buy crypto to get out of their own currency. Okay, so that's a store of value. I don't really buy it as a hedge. It's like a speculative asset. So typically, the best way to hedge against inflation is TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Those are a form of bond where the the interest rate is lower on the bond, so your current income is much lower, but the face value of the bond gets adjusted upwards with inflation. So it's a nice little hedge. But those tend to work when interest rates are normal or high, and 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 um, and, and the, the prices are just too elevated on tips right now. So it's really a commodities play. We've got a, t- a huge demand for housing, cars, and infrastructure. Huge. Especially on the car side. If you think about it, I own a Tesla. I love driving the Tesla. Never taken it on a long distance trip. I don't even know if I want to because it seems like you know the idea of having to stop every 250 to 300 miles and wait you know, 35 to 45 minutes to charge uh, and plan the trip that way. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't done it yet. And I know people have done it just fine. But if everybody goes electric, we do not have the infrastructure for everybody to plug in their vehicles at their home when we go home. You know, we've got to get more solar. Um, we just don't have that infrastructure. And if you think about infrastructure, bridges, roads, and all the steel and all of the commodities that go into that, and all of the demand for housing, we are way behind on building in this country because the, the millennials are supposed to be bigger than the baby boom population. That's a huge demand there. So commodities, I think, are a good piece of the portfolio. They're very volatile, though, so keep that in mind. Now, one of the things that you can look at is, let's say you're 55 or 60 and you know, you're not really too concerned about volatility. You've never been a person that panicked out in 08 and 09. You just kept buying. So now you're pretty, pretty well off. You never panicked in March and April of last year. You just kept buying. And the volatility has never bugged you too much. But you know you're getting ready to retire and you need to start de-risking your portfolio. And one of the things you can look at to do that is the stable value fund in your 401ks because these tend to yield about 1.5 to 2%, which is about the yield of the aggregate bond index and they're not as they're not as sensitive to interest rates you don't see those declines it's also when you're listening to me talk about retirement and the idea that you need to have a certain amount of cash on hand in retirement safe money and it's not expenses it's your portfolio draw so again to explain that quickly the amount of cash you should have on hand you can take your total expenses including your healthcare costs minus your automatic income like your your uh, social security, your pensions, some rental property if it's pretty stable, and some dividends and interests. And that net number, that's how much you're going to draw from your portfolio every year on top of that. You need three years worth of that very safe. And a stable value fund in a 401k can be a great spot for that. It's yielding 
about 1% higher than any CD that you're going to get in any bank, including Ally or Marcus or anywhere else. And it's not going to be as sensitive to interest rates. So if you're trying to de-risk your portfolio and get an idea of what you know, bonds are available, some pretty good stable value funds. And you kind of got to think about that too. If you've switched jobs over and you're close to retirement and your old 401k has a really good stable value fund, before you roll it into an IRA or your new 401k, you got to think about that. Like, is there a good stable value fund? Because it's like, I would say about mm, six out of every 10 401k that I see has a good stable value in fund in it and the other ones don't. And so it makes that rollover decision a little bit more difficult. And, you know, speaking of that, when you leave a, a former employer, a decision to roll into an IRA or 401k is somewhat de- determined by how much you can save. If you're trying to save more money than the maximum amount in your 401k, if you roll your old 401k into an IRA, you can screw up your ability to fund a backdoor Roth IRA if you make too much money. So that's a whole kind of other segment show. But if you have questions on rollovers and you got a bunch of old 401ks and IRAs, you should consolidate so you can keep an eye on this asset allocation, see where, how you're invested. You might have heard of a guy named Ed Slot. He's a CPA, um, big fan of the Roth IRA. He calls himself a recovering accountant. Um, he's in an article saying delaying retirement income no longer makes sense. And he talks about being a CPA. We were trained from the first days of college, hardwired from our first accounting class to always defer income, put it off, defer, defer, defer. And I've talked about this a ton. It's like you have to go from a mindset when you're, when you're working, it's always, how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year? In retirement, you have to look out 35, 40 years and say, how can I pay the least amount of taxes over time for myself and my family? And we have to realize that taxes are going to be higher. In 2008, when the market crashed and we were on the brink of a global depression, the United States Congress passed um, through Bush the Economic Stimulus Act of 2008. $152 billion stimulus designed to stave off a recession. And there's another version of it that came along. And then what we did recently, the CARES Act, $2 trillion in March 25, 2020. There's the SECURE Act. It's uh, it, you know, some more, more law change than anything else. And then we had the American Rescue Plan of 2021, also called the, to- called the COVID-19 stimulus package. Um, $1.9 trillion. So this was a, you know, a forced shutdown, right? Everything stopped versus there was a leverage banking system, really bad situation in 2008 and 2009. And yet we've passed way, 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 way more stimulus in this situation. Somebody's going to pay for this, you guys. Somebody is going to pay for this. Taxes are going to go up. they're going to go up. Now, if you're going into retirement and you've saved just enough to maybe last into your mid-80s, you know, that's not what I'm talking about here. But if you have enough assets to get through retirement and there's likely going to be some left over and you have different types of accounts between your cash accounts, your normal taxable accounts, your retirement accounts, and your Roth IRAs, you have to focus on from the date of retirement through to just before age 72, when you have to take required minimum distributions, you look at your IRA accounts and say, you look at your overall plan first and say, how much is going to be left over for my kids? And you realize that what the SECURE Act did is it wiped out the stretch IRA. We used to be able to leave our IRAs after we died 
to our kids and the kids could roll it into an inherited IRA and defer the income over their entire lifetime. Nope, not anymore. Thanks to the SECURE Act, they have to pay the taxes within 10 years. Even on a Roth IRA, they don't pay any taxes on it, but they have to pull it out over 10 years. So your children, when you pass away, are typically at their highest earning power. Think about it, right? Pass away in your 80s, 90s, your kids are working at the height of their career, inheriting that money at a very high tax bracket, and taxes are going up in the future. Trillions of dollars of debt. You watch the debt clock, it kind of makes you sick. It's like, we, we have had no fiscal conservatives Anybody that cares about, like, how are we going to pay for this? There's been nobody. That's why I've written in for the last several years of voting. I've, I've written people in because I need to, you know, get people to understand business and math. And we've had none of that at all. Just people spending money like drunken sailors. I'm not worried about me or my kids. It's really more my grandkids. That's when it, it's, it's going to be an issue. So if you're retiring now, it's, it's really not going to be your issue. It's going to be what's left over. And we have to think about this as we vote. Um, so taxes are going to go higher. I mean, you can see that under the Biden plan. And the problem is, is under the Biden plan, it really does attack a lot of job creators. A lot of people that, that have high income are successful business owners that create hundreds of jobs and pay a ton of taxes. And um, I mean, just ask a person that runs a CPA firm and how much taxes the people pay. I think it's it's a bad rap on it. Um, I think that there's no cost control. I think it should be cost control first. Where does this current money go? And then the idea of, okay, once we get our costs under control as a government, if we need to raise taxes, it raises. Right now, this is the lowest tax system I've seen. I've been in the business for for since 1993. This is the lowest tax system I've ever seen and we've had all this stimulus package. And it's overly complicated. It creates jobs. You know, my son graduated from Texas Tech in the, in the world of finance and, and, and the, the personal finance program. And he, as he goes through it, Nick's like, the, the reason why this field exists is because of an overly complicated government tax system. And he's kind of right. It's kind of like, ugh, you're right. Um, I mean, certified financial planners do a lot more than that because we deal with taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning. But the tax part, the CPA part, the, the legal part, and all of these jobs that are created from an overly complicated tax system, it's a real thing. The point is, is that taxes are going to go up. So as part of your retirement plan, if you're working with an investment advisor that's just managing a portfolio as a pie chart and they're giving you a report on a quarterly basis and they're not digging into taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, you're paying way too much for way too little. You should be demanding, you know, okay, how much should I convert to a Roth every year? What does my estate plan look like? Give me a flow chart of what happens to my assets when I die so I know what to do with my estate plan. How are we going to deal with higher taxes in the future? Lower interest rates on bonds, lower interest rates on my cash, what are some bond alternatives? I've got highly concentrated stock. I could do a charitable remainder trust, use that big tax deduction to convert IRA for a Roth so that money goes tax-free to the kids. What do I do about this Biden plan where he's going to take away step-up in basis? Should I give money now? Should I give stock now? Should I do 
rolling grats because I have a highly concentrated stock positions and an estate tax problem. There's so much that goes into it because of taxes and because of the changes that are coming because of higher inflation and mistakes that people can make in retirement, investing too conservatively or too aggressively, especially in light of low interest rates that are likely going to go higher because of inflation. Now's a good time to get some help. You can find me at chadburton.com. Check out our whole team of over 50 certified financial planner practitioners at EP Wealth. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, all the podcast links are at chadburton.com. Have a great day, everyone. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.